This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are excited about studying how he has revealed himself in so many incredible ways. Uh, The next seven or eight weeks, we're going to be studying some incredible passages of scriptures uh, that talk about how God did some things that were against all odds. And uh, this is not just a, a series on the power of God as much as it is the, the grace of God. I want you to look at the key uh, takeaway for the series. It is this, that man's possibilities or cal- calculations can never completely factor in the odds of God's extraordinary grace. And uh, I hope that you'll take these outlines home that you're receiving and uh, kind of go through and, and spot the grace of God, spot the power of God, spot the truth of God, the will of God, the word of God, and watch how God is working in incredible ways. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive right into the message today. Let's pray. God, we do ask that you would do some things against all odds in our life. We pray that you would be with this series as we study the story of Elijah and Elisha uh, the next few weeks. Would you please work and move in our lives like never before? In Jesus' name, amen. When we look at the nation of Israel, oftentimes we see ourselves. We see a group of people who are trying their hardest, but often failing, are having struggles and difficulties are repenting of those struggles and difficulties uh, after God has judged them for their failures, and then God comes in and rescues them. But we're in a very sad period of time that we're studying the next few weeks, and that is, uh, it is before the Assyrians have conquered uh, the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom. I think we have a map that shows the northern and southern kingdom. And uh, they had split. They were a divided country. And in this particular time, before uh, 722 B.C., the Syrian army had not come from the north uh, and had not aligned themselves with the kingdom of Moab, but the Moabites had just started to invade. In fact, look in your notes and in your Bibles at 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says, Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. So this was a time when a kingdom was threatening another kingdom. Lots of fear and intrepidation in the land at that time. No one knew exactly what what was going to happen. But in Samaria, which was the capital of the northern kingdom, there was a not just a king named, in verse number 2, Ahaziah, Ahaziah, is, I think is how you say it, if I can get it right. I said it right in the first service. Um, but, but this was a king that did not do what God wanted him to do. He followed in the footsteps of his uh, mother, Jezebel, his father, Ahab. This was not good. In fact, he was 
uh, one in a long line of 20 different monarchs that were incredibly wicked and twisted, doing really whatever they wanted, not caring who it hurt or who, uh, whose property it damaged or what it did to their country. They didn't care. They were just doing whatever they thought was best. There was someone else living in, in the land of Israel in, in the area of Samaria. It looks just like the Antelope Valley. We th- I think we have a picture of Samaria. Um, this is modern-day Samaria and a very arid, high-desert-looking uh, uh, place. And uh, the, prophet I, uh, the prophet Elijah was living there at the point at this point in the passage of Scripture that we're reading, he is currently training Elisha. There's Elijah, uh, who we'll talk about today, that God used to proclaim the truth to the king. But then there's Elisha, and that was who's taking over. Next week, we'll talk about Elisha. And there's some really incredible things that are taking place because God is wanting to shock the heart of a nation to get back to the truth. Um, one author put it like this, Elijah and Elisha were two handles of a defibrillator trying to shock the redlined morality of a nation back to God. And by the way, no matter how many incredible things they do, against all odds, they still did not seek the truth. Now, I want to tell you that this, this series, I've been talking about this series with our team for over a year. We've been planning this series, but never did, what, in my wildest dreams would I ever think that in one year's time, there'd be so many people that are running from the truth. Not, not a specific point of view, I'm talking about the truth of God's word. And so when I come to this series, I see, man, I, I lie to myself more than anyone else lies to me. By the way, I've said this before, but you lie to you more than anyone else lies to you. We all are constantly telling ourselves things that are less than true. And so when we come to to a topic like this where we see a narrative that we're going to read where the prophet is just saying the truth from God and and, and the, the, the... King doesn't like it, and so he tries to get a second opinion, and, and it doesn't go so well. We have to confront ourselves with some truths, and there might be some things that we see in this passage that maybe aren't really something that we've thought of before. Maybe it, 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 it doesn't really sit well at first, and, and so we have a choice. And our choice is we can either, and here's a key thought as we just begin this morning, um, we can either uh, question God's word, or trust another source, right? Or we can adjust to God's unchanging truth. And sometimes it's frankly easier to, to try to twist God's word or say, I don't know if it really says that, or you know, or say, Well, I you know, I, I, I have my own ideas, you know, I, I have my own things. And listen, we all have the prerogative of choice, but we don't all have the prerogative of defining the truth on our own terms. The truth is unchanging. Whether it makes me feel uncomfortable or whether it makes someone else feel uncomfortable, it doesn't change the truth. So we're going to have some fun with this uh, today because this is an incredible story. Um, Some of the stories we're going to be covering are uh, a a young boy who sneezes seven times and uh, and he, um, after, thank you so much, 
after he sneezes, he's resurrected. Um, there's a floating axe head that we're going to be studying um, tonight, or today it's uh, lightning, okay, and, and fire falling from, from the sky. These are incredible stories, but ultimately our action item is we're, we're wanting uh, to expose the lies that we've been telling ourselves, and we want to focus on God's unchanging truth. I can't change you. You can't change you. But as Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. Like, hey, listen, if God is true, then everything he says is true. By the way, may, may not have thought, thought about this before, but did you know that if one thing God said, it tends to not be true, nothing he said is true? Either everything God has said is truth or nothing he said is true because he claims to be the truth, right? And so there's three realities about the truth. We're going to see this briefly today and have some fun with it. Uh, number one, Jesus is the source of truth. Can we say that together? Jesus is the source of truth. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. You see, there is no life without truth. There is no truth without knowing the way. There is no knowing the way without truth. All three of those go together. Jesus is the foundation of truth, and the foundation of truth is the foundation of life change. I am not a self-help coach. I am not someone who, who, who stands up here and tells you my opinion. I tell you what the Word of God says. And in order to speak the truth, we need to, be, we need to realize that the source of truth is Jesus. Now the king had fallen literally through his balcony. Look at verse number two. Ahaziah <clears throat> fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber. I swear he would have taken a shower, probably not a shower, but a bath. Um, he fell through and was sick. The word sick literally means he was had an infection. He could not move, probably internal injuries, something along those lines. And he sent messengers and said, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Akron. Akron. So this god of Akron, I think is how you say it, was 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 a a god that was that was supposedly uh, born of Beelzebub. Beelzebub was the fly god, the 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 god of flies. In fact, this is still a name that's used for Satan. Uh, they use this in Satan worship. It's just crazy. They called Jesus this in Matthew uh, 10. I put it in there. They said, we know how you're doing these miracles. You're doing it because you're the son of Beelzebub, the son of Satan. And that's when Jesus said, you guys are crazy. Um, you, you're, you're, you're so filled with self-righteousness, you can't see um, that I'm trying to help people. I'm sent from God. But, but Beelzebub uh, was, was the, the, the prince or the lord of flies or flying. Uh, it, was, it was a claim that that, 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 that was the god that, that this king was worshiping. But then he says, the god of Akron. Um, this was... A, a, a word that was used for, for, for a God that they were worshiping, but it literally means, Akron means barrenness. Uh, it means extermination. It literally means uprooting. And I know a little bit about this because uh, a couple months ago we got a puppy and uh, bought the puppy for Christmas for my boy's golden retriever. <clears throat> We've been trying to train it, but I did not know something. Um, and that is that when you're planting trees, if your dog, if your puppy 
watches you plant a tree, they will unplant the tree, okay? We have learned this the hard way. We planted some trees in our backyard last week. Our dog has successfully unplanted those trees, okay? We are praying fervently that those trees uh, will somehow grow as a miracle against all odds, right? I mean, we are hoping, but I will tell you this, that, that uprootedness and the fallen, uh, broken king is a picture. Here's the king, the most powerful man in that nation, powerless, in a bed, diseased. The Bible doesn't just give you these stories for entertainment. The Bible gives you narrative so that you can see yourself in that story. Can I tell you something? We are the diseased king. We are the king that has fallen and we have no power to get up. Remember those commercials? I have fallen and I can't get up, right? That is all of us. Our sin is the disease that has crippled us to our core. One of the memory verses today is, is Jeremiah where he says, Our heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? Listen, everyone in here, including myself, okay, my sin is no, no worse than yours. It's probably worse than yours. My point is this. We are all diseased. We are all broken. That is the point about the king. The king has fallen and he can't get up. Sin's a problem. By the way, this, sin is the problem in our society, okay? Not, not your boss, okay? Not, not that person, not your neighbor, okay? Sin is the problem. Sin causes every problem, right? So that's the diseased king. The diseased king, instead of seeking the truth, instead of going to God's man, where does the king go? He goes to something he's used to, but the joke's on him because what he's seeking is barren. Do you see that? He's seeking the God of Akron. He's seeking barrenness. He's seeking something that will ultimately leave him more empty than when he first started. So you, are you guys getting the word picture here? Okay, now let's keep reading. So in verse number three, you say, well, where is Jesus? Jesus is the source of truth. We know that's true, but I thought we were going verse by verse through this. You'll see it right now. Verse three but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, which is a funny place to be from, okay? Tishbite, he's a Tishbite, all right? Arise and go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria. Okay, so we, we know who the king is. He's in bed, he's sick, he's, he's infected, most likely has a staph infection. It is not because, is it not because there is not a, a God in Israel that they'll go and inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. The angel of the Lord is saying, hey, listen, there's a god that could actually help you. There's a god that could actually heal you. There's a god that actually cares enough to confront you right now. But who is the angel of the Lord? If you go through and you study, in fact, we're going to read a verse that talks about the angel of the Lord being declared in Jesus I believe that every time you see the angel, not a angel, by the way, every time you say a angel, it'll mention Gabriel or Michael. It'll tell you that that's not Jesus. The angel of the Lord, when he appears to uh, Moses uh, in a burning bush or when he appears to, um, when he appears to uh, Joshua or here, Elijah, I believe that's what's called a Christophany, which is a 
Really big term for Jesus, okay? Jesus is the divine messenger. Now, he came in human form, okay? But how many of you know Jesus is eternal? He's eternal God. And so this is Jesus proclaiming a truth through uh, a prophet named Elijah to the king. So here's what happens. So, the, so they go back and they, 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 they come back and the, and the king, in verse number five, says, why are you now returned back? Like, why are you back so soon? And they said, well, there came a man to meet us and uh, to go. And, the, and, the, and, and they said, tell this to the king. Why have you done this? And, and they said, oh, and by the way, they, you're going to die. <laughs> hey, the, the, the prophet said that God said, you're going to die. He says, what manner of the man was that came to meet you and told you these words? Verse 8. He was a hairy man. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> he was hairy. All right, how would you like that to be your description? Hey, hey, what was that guy like? He was super hairy. I mean, straight Chewbacca, right? I mean, just hair everywhere. I don't think this meant that Elijah didn't shave. I think that this meant that he wore hair. It literally means that, that he owned hairy clothes, okay? So they would wear camel's hair, all right? And this is a pattern. I believe this was an image of someone else to come, right? Uh, the John the Baptist wore camel's skin. Uh, it was re- it kept him cold uh, in the summer, cool in the summer, hot, warm in the winter. Okay, so that's what I think it meant. Maybe he was super hairy. I don't think so, um, and, and we have reasons for that. But anyway, uh, and he had a girdle of leather around his big belt of leather, and, and he was an outdoorsman. I mean, he had, some, he had some woolly clothes, hairy clothes. And the king says, oh, I know who that is. That's Elijah, the Tishbite. I know who that is. And so he says, bring him here. Verse 9, bring him. I want, you to, I want him to come. The king sent unto the captain of 50. So he said, send 50 of your armed guards. I want you to go get them. I want you to bring them by force if you have to. So now there's 51. There's a captain and there's 50 armed guards. For a hairy dude in the middle of the desert? Who, do, who does he think he's going what, to... What, why, why is he sending a, a, a huge platoon of guys for one prophet? He knows what he's doing. He wants a second opinion on what the prophet said. He wants to say, oh, I'll show that prophet. I'll bring him to my palace, and let's see what he says when he's standing in front of me in my throne, in my palace, with my guards. See, isn't that, isn't that us? Like, God says something, you're like, oh, yeah, well, that's probably true. But we'll see, <laughs> right? Yeah, we'll see. The reality is, God had spoken. It wasn't Elijah's word. It was Jesus' word through Elijah. He was just speaking the truth from God. By the way, our church is not about me. It's not about you. It's about speaking the truth from God. We are literally, as uh, in your notes, 1 Timothy 3, 15 says, we are the pillar and the ground of of truth. We are the church of the living God. We hold up the truth. It's all about the truth. What is the truth? The truth is that Jesus is the greatest mystery of godliness ever come into human face. He, faith, uh, in, into our, our, our human uh, uh, 
Flesh is what I was looking for. Thank you uh, for helping me. That telepathy helps. Uh, God was manifest in the, in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And so here's a passage I would encourage you to memorize as we think about uh, the, the, the shift in what the king's doing. The king's seeking Beelzebub, literally Satan for answers, and, and Elijah's giving him an answer from God. Every single day we have a choice. Will we seek our own answers, our own ideas, or will we seek God's truth? And here's a great memor memorization. Uh, the teens in the room, you should memorize this, these verses, this passage right here. It says uh, that we don't seek things as the Gentiles seek. They seek the here and now. They seek the, 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 the earthly things. But for our heavenly Father knoweth the, what ye have need of, all these things. So he knows what you need. So, so what does that mean? Well, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You seek the things, you don't have them. You seek Jesus, you have everything you need. Often, many of our worries is because we take thought of tomorrow, but Jesus said, take no thought, verse 34, of tomorrow. And so the king was worried about dying. That's why he sent word to Ekron. God says, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. You are going to die. But, but that's in my hands. You have nothing you can do to change that. It's interesting. I believe that if the, if the king would have come as his, as his soldiers uh, his final soldier, which we'll see, came with humility. If he would have done that, I believe God would have healed him. But either way, tomorrow is in God's hands. It's not in your hands. It's not in my hands. Tomorrow is in God's hands. And so here's a key thought, and it is this. That often our worry today is a result of a difficulty we have trusting God with tomorrow. And so we, we have to trust God that tomorrow he holds. There's a, there's a famous quote, you may have heard it before, it sounds trite, but it's actually absolutely true, and that is this, that, that when we are fearful for what tomorrow holds, we need to remember who holds tomorrow. It is in God's hands. It's not in our hands, it's in his hands. And so why do I bring this up? Because Ahaziah literally means the God who holds, the God who sustains, the God who is capable. At some point, he stopped believing that. At some point, he stopped saying that truth of what he, his name meant, that God actually can do things. He holds on to things. He sustains things. He's capable of things. At some point, he stopped speaking that truth to himself. And I will tell you, all of us, including myself, everyone, online, in person, on the radio, listen, wherever you're listening from from. The sound of my voice and word of God, I want you to know, God is capable. The truth is that his truth can set you free regardless of the circumstance. So here's an action item. Whenever anxiety begins to grip you, and by the way, never lived in a time with more anxiety. I, I saw a study this last week that said anxiety levels are 10 times what they are, the national average of anxiety, 10 times what they were right after 9-11. We are living in more anxiety than we were during the pandemic. It, it hasn't gone away. Why? Because anxiety, the source of, of the anxiety wasn't the pandemic. The source of the anxiety was getting our eyes off of Jesus. 
I've never had so many uh, calls about panic attacks and all of this. I mean, the anxiety in our, in our society is out of control. And so let me give you a practical tip. When that begins to grip you in any situation, shift your entire focus to observing what God is doing through that situation, where God is working. Instead of focusing on your problem, on what might happen, what, what's happening, what is, what, 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 looks like it's going to happen. Say, listen, God's grace is bigger than this. God's hand is bigger than this. I'm going to watch him work. I'm going to trust in him through the situation. I'm going to take each step, each day separately and leave the rest to him. So Jesus is the source of truth. Number two, no one can change the truth. Not even the king. Not me, not you. No one can change the truth. Now we can try to act like we have a greater understanding of the truth. We can try to twist the truth. We can try to manipulate the truth, but it's not my truth. It's not your truth. Truth is truth. It's objective. It's true whether I say it's true or whether I say it's false. Regardless, it's true. There are some truths that God's that God gives that are unchanging. And this particular truth was a tough truth for Elijah to deliver, and it was a tough truth for the king to receive. It was tough all the way around. So look at verse number five. Man, this is, this is crazy. Verse five, when, when, they, when the messengers turned back and they came through, and then verse eight, you know, they said this was Elijah. Verse number nine, the king he, he could have gone to, he had the resources to go to the, the house of Elijah, inquire, why are you saying I'm going to die? But instead, he sends his men and, and he tries to manipulate the situation. He says, so here's the 50. They went up and they, he sat on top of the hill. So the, the word sat here leads us to believe that he was like sitting there eating. I don't know why the Hebrew kind of plays on that, but that's, that's the word that's being used here. He's sitting at a meal. He's on top of the hill um, in his house, and they, they, they said, the, the king said, come down. You're going to come with us, buddy, right? And Elijah wasn't. <laughs> Elijah just wasn't doing that. And, you know, part of it is like, man, why is it wrong for a king to say, hey, I want you to come? And, and the reality is the king wasn't just saying, I want you to come. The king was saying, I want you to come and I want you to change the word that you've been given. And that wasn't, wasn't Elijah's word to change. And there's many times where we lie to ourselves, and here's a key thought. We lie to ourselves when we believe that we deserve something from someone or from even God himself. And the king thought he deserved Elijah to make a house visit. The king felt like he deserved some, a better treatment from this prophet. But the truth is that you and I can't handle what we deserve. The truth of the matter is that all of us have been given way more than we deserve. And I, I've always told this, and uh, my son's in here, we, we've said this over and over again, uh, but here's an action item. In the face of every temptation, by the way, this is the key to overcoming Every temptation, you say every, every temptation. Repeat this truth. 
that God is the giver of every good gift. On the inside of my writing ring, it's the verse in James 1.17 that says that, that God is the giver of every good gift. Everything's from him. Everything good you have is from him. It's a good gift of grace from him. And everything I have is way more than I deserve. Period. It's all grace. The Bible says that from the front cover to the back cover. Everything we have is more than we deserve. Let's say that together. Everything we have is more than we deserve. Let's say it, to, say it again. Everything we have is more than we deserve. You see this entitlement mindset that's really pervasive in our society today says, I deserve that. You, you owe this to me. And the reality is the only thing we deserve is judgment, truthfully. But the truth sets us free when we realize that God has, in the midst of our disease, in the midst of our brokenness, God has given us his grace. He's given us his grace. Here's a great uh, passage to memorize about the heart being deceitfully wicked, but, the, but God tries the heart. God can change a wicked heart. The devil, the devil only has a few tricks, and it's to deceive your heart, to distract your heart, to delay uh, all of that. And all of the lies you're telling yourself is, I can wait, it can wait. I don't have to do it now. The lie you tell yourself about deceit is that I'm not deceived or I don't need this. And uh, the lie we tell ourselves about distraction is that a uh, little distraction doesn't matter or this temptation isn't really that bad for me and we, we, we're constantly telling ourselves lies but the reality is when we're when we're uh when we have the light of God's word contrast in our lives we see God do some amazing things and watch what happens in verse number 10 they say come down from your hill stop eating your meal Elijah says in verse number 10 Elijah answered the captain of the 50 if I be a man of God like if I'm from God then fire's gonna come down from heaven and consume you in the 50. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him in the 50. This was not just fire, any kind of fire. This was, the word fire literally means lightning. I think we have a video of lightning. I wanna just, I'll talk over this video. You guys can play it. This guy captured a video in his field of lightning. This is, this is half speed. This is it striking a tree and lighting the tree on fire. I mean, imagine watching 50 different lightning rods strike 51 different men. 51 different lightning rods. Boom! That's what happens when we try to manipulate the truth. God takes it very seriously. Imagine, look at that. Boom! We don't get that type of lightning out here very often. But it's just nailing that tree. That's the power of God at on display. And so here's a quote to memorize. Sometimes we attempt to adjust God's truth to fit our feelings or beliefs, but it's far better to adjust our feelings and beliefs to fit the truth. Now, let me illustrate it this way. Isaac, I want you to come on up here, okay? And uh, I, 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 want, I, want you to see, I want you to see this. All of us have feelings. All of us have beliefs. By the way, your feelings are important. All right, I, I'm, I'm not here to, to, to you know, I, I don't want to be here sitting here trashing your feelings, okay? Emotions are gifts from God. But it's when our emotions become our, our goal or when they affect our beliefs. When we go from feelings to beliefs, that's a really dangerous thing. Well, I just feel this way and, you know, I, I, I can't help this feeling. And listen, guys, don't live life like that. And so, our beliefs are important, our feelings are important, but here's what happens. 
We have other people in our lives that, 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 that start to kind of try to pull coals in those beliefs or start to say, you shouldn't feel that way. And what happens is it starts to get annoying. Like, stop. These are my feelings. This is how I feel. It's real. And, and, and you're constantly trying to keep something up that wasn't, that's not sturdy. Our emotions, our feelings, the way I think and the way I believe, it's not, if it's not based on truth, it won't stand the test of time. It won't stand difficulties and relationships and, and, and problems and tension and just life in a sinful, broken world. But when we decide to take our feelings and our beliefs and not try to develop them on our own, but say, no, I'm going to wrap them in the truth. Like, I don't care. I mean, punch it. Like, it's, it's not going anywhere. Why? Because it's founded in the truth. There's something more sturdy that it's based on. And so, listen, the reason why we have this, thank you so much. Can I give this to you? The reason why we have this whole thought process as a church that we are, everything we do is based on the truth is because our lives need a foundation and the only foundation that will stand the test of time is the truth. So Jesus is the source of truth. <laughs> no one can change the truth. Number three, everyone was made to speak the truth. Everyone was made to speak the truth. Now, I, I saw a video of a, of a young girl and she was confronted by her mother in love to, to, uh, to, to speak the truth. She said, did you eat a, a, a cookie? And the girl said, my brother ate the cookie. I think we have a, a video of that. You guys turn it up just a little bit. But you didn't eat one. You sure? Okay. And did you go in the room with it, or he just ate it right there? He just ate it. See the chocolate on her face. But you didn't eat one. You sure? Now, if you're a parent, thank you guys. If you're a parent. You know what the guilty look is. And you can ask them. I remember walking up to Chandler, who was three years old, and I said, have you been playing with daddy's knife? And he looked at me, and this was the look he gave me. You know, I took a picture of it. Uh, he was like three years old. He, he goes, no. <laughs> he's got it in his hand. <laughs> See, no, he's not playing with my knife. Now listen, was I being mean when I took the box cutter out of my three-year-old's hand? Absolutely not. That was a loving thing to do. God confronts us with the truth because he loves us. It's a confrontation of grace. He wants us to know. By the way, Chandler could never say his C's. So his box, tutter. Okay, there's a T. I don't know why it was like that, but I will tell you this. That no matter how cute it is, our, our embracing of our lies are the most dangerous thing we do in our relationships, in, in, in all of our lives. And so here's what we need to do. We need to do what the last group of people, so here's what happened. The first group of men, they came, we're almost done. Uh, they came in verse number uh, 11, or 10 and 11, and, uh, and, and they said, uh, 10, come down, struck, struck with lightning and fire. 
Verse number 11, a second group of 50. So now we have a 50, 51 more. So we have 102 uh, soldiers that are, are there. 51 of them are dead. They step over their dead bodies and they say, the king said, come down, but they add the word quickly. Come down here right now. Get right now. Elijah said, well, if I'm a man of God, then let fire come down and consume you. Boom. All 51 of them dead. Wow, God's not, God means business here. But then the third person comes, and he comes the way that God wants us to come to him. This is the whole point. He wants us to come with a broken, humble, contrite spirit. In fact, here is a takeaway or, or, or a, um, an action item. Uh, I, I'm getting to it. Key thought, okay? Humility is the key to speaking the truth to yourself and others. If we're not humble, we're not going to speak the truth. We're going to say, no, God, I want it right now. I want your word right now, and I want it to change, and I want it to make me feel good. This guy comes and he says, he, he, he fell down on his knees before Elijah and he besought him, meaning humbly, uh, grace, asking for grace, asking for mercy. And he said, oh man of God. So he's recognizing that he's a man of God. Well, that's good, okay? There's 102 other comrades around you, so maybe you're now getting the point. God means business. And he says, let my life and the life of these 50 servants be precious in your sight. <laughs> and he, and, and, and I know that fire came down and burned up these men, but, but please don't do that to us. Verse number 15, and the angel of the Lord, remember that's Jesus, said, go down with him, be not afraid. He rose up and went down. And then they went to the king and, and, and he said, listen, you didn't listen to the truth. You didn't humble yourself before me. You're gonna die. God was, God was reinforcing the truth. But he was teaching some other people, that captain, We'll, we'll look at what happens with that captain later. So fascinating. That captain and those guards, they learned a lesson. God speaks the truth and it doesn't change. And it's not ours to change or try to change. It's ours to live by, to change ourself, to change our thinking. And so we'll end with this. And here's the takeaway. And it is this. The best way to address any circumstance is to begin to speak the truth to speak the truth about what God says about any situation. Back in the 70s, there was a horse named Secretariat. Maybe some of you have heard that before. Uh, ran, broke all the records. In fact, they're still broken. But the thing that Secretariat did that was really groundbreaking was they put blinders on the horse so that the horse, horses are easily distracted so the horse could look right at the track and see the finish line and use all of its mighty power to cross the finish line first. And it finished in record-breaking, triple crown, won the Belmont. There's a whole uh, you know, video out about it, a whole movie out about it. It was just an incredible thing. And, and the rider, the horse's riders, attributed its success to those blinders on the horse so the horse could see the finish line. I will tell you that the devil's going to do everything he can to rob the truth of God's word from your heart and life. If he can distract you, if, he can, if you can dilute the truth, but I will tell you that when we wake up tomorrow, there has to be a truth in our hearts that's fixed on Jesus that says, I'm not gonna allow anything to distract me. I'm gonna focus today on the truth. That's what we wanna be. We wanna be like this horse, Secretariat, focused on the finish line, focused on Jesus, focused on speaking the truth in a world filled with lies and deceit. Thanks again for listening. 
If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.